0: Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to the Locked On Guardians podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly of 24-7, formerly of Scout, now all of Locked On. I want to thank you for making Locked On Guardians your first listen, free and available today and every day on every podcasting platform, app, service. If you get a podcast somewhere, you can find Locked On Guardians there for free. So we're finally going to get to uh, something that I have promised for a while, which is to sit down and discuss my big board for the draft. We're going to go backwards And this is based on statistics, it's based on video, it's based on talking to people, though not as much of the third this year. I feel like every year I kind of go more in with my own approach and kind of build from there. I feel that uh, over time I've just been trusting myself more and occasionally I am very wrong. Like I said, I need to go back and do some retrospective pieces. Sometimes I'm very right. Uh, And there are a lot of names on this list. There are also players that potentially could jump up guys I was intrigued by you know I look at the end of the list some guys who didn't make this you know I don't want to call Luke Hancock my dude in this class because you know he's got a pretty serious history uh including physical violence but uh against a woman but okay so that's awful and unfortunately we see that happen a lot with various prospects throughout sports You know, Joe Mixon of the Bengals comes to mind. Uh, Hancock's one of those guys, though, that uh, statistically jumped out at me. So I have to comment on him because he's not listed anywhere. And being a catcher at Mississippi State means he's also caught a lot of very good arms, a lot of high-end velocity. Uh, You know, I, I don't know the full story. And when I did some digging, it was not able to get a ton. But I do have to kind of throw that out there when I'm just looking pure data uh, his name jumped. I'm not going to talk about him. Brendan Malone is a guy that I liked back to his high school days. Maurice Hampton. Uh, trying to remember. I think he went to LSU to be a safety and an outfielder. I'm trying to remember where he ended up. Uh, can't off the top of my head. Jeron Ely. You might know him as Old Misses running back this past year. Will he decide to go to football? Will he be a late grab? Cade uh, Horton is another one of those players that I liked going back to high school that uh, we're kind of hoping to see jump up a bit. Statistic guys, Justin Jonas from Illinois, Reed Trimble, SMU, Nathan Church, UC Irvine. Uh, All were names I wrote down. Adam Mazur, Iowa, Tyler Nesbitt, Florida. And Jonathan French, Clemson, were guys I wrote down that were necessarily not the biggest names, but some players. Now, this is not my entire list. (laughs) There's other guys. I I just love Devereaux Harrison for the name Devereaux, but he's also an interesting guy at Long Beach State. Uh, there's so many players, these are just kind of like my list, Uh, you know, Spencer Jones, Nate Savino, those guys are famous from high school, could have been first round picks out of high school, Uh, Dalton Rushing is the next, like, Louisville first baseman, how about Adam Stone, right-handed pitcher, Harvard, who popped up on here, I also honestly need to, you know, I was looking at video and talking with people, um, again, not as much as I should, but some from uh, the Cape, uh, but I also need to just sit down and get into the video, I need need to report stats and look at some of the important things there that have traditionally popped for me in the past. Big names uh, relative to everything. I feel like Chris Newell of UVA is a pretty solid big name who's not on here. Jared McKenzie is a production over tools guy at Baylor. Sal Stewart, third baseman uh, from Westminster Christian, committed to Vandy is a relatively big name. Tristan Smith, a left-handed pitcher from Boiling Springs High School, committed to Clemson is a pretty big name who's not on my list. Noah Scholes, left-handed pitcher from Asiago East High School in Illinois, committed to Vandy. A lot of high school guys. Jared Jones, catcher, Walton High School. I think he's going to be a first. I think he's first base all the way. That's why he's not on my list. If I thought Jared Jones was a catcher, he'd be there. J.R. Ritchie, right-handed pitcher from Brain Bitch High School, committed to UCLA. So uh, let's just talk about the elephant in the room. When it comes to me in draft evaluations, I'm going for Safety often first uh you know i've gone and i've run the numbers and i remember like where does where do you find the aces was an article i wrote way back in the day i think when i was still at scout before 24-7 bought them and the data showed that like by and large like pitchers that had multiple i think i was like looking for guys who've been in the top 15 in whip over a four-year period not whip Oof, fip not whip whip is worthless it's fun to look at but it doesn't tell you anything uh fip where it was a college heavy group, like that is what we see the data shows it's actually the college pitchers. And the other thing we see is I mean, high school arms are such a huge risk. You're probably never going to see a high school arm in my top 10 prospects ever again. I just I wouldn't do it. I don't see the value relative to the, you know, the amount of arm injuries. And I mean, I was going through I remember another time I was tracking first round, uh, high school arms and is a 50, 50, like big leagues to failure rate. Uh, and that's not even saying they were good in the big leagues. That's just saying they made it. it it's a very risky proposition. So I'm lower. That's why someone like Jr. Ritchie, who might be top 20 in other places, doesn't make my initial list here was 36 names. So, uh, this is just kind of initial thoughts, initial feelings. Uh, I didn't get beyond that. Uh, you know, I, I had some names, some other players I liked, that just didn't make the cut. It's it's a good college hitter class. Honestly, it's a class where the college bats run deep. The co- the arms in general don't. This is not a great pitching class, but is a good class. Last year was a fantastic pitching class. Uh, this year, if you want to lean into the strength of this draft, it's hitters. And then, I mean, college hitters a little more than prep, but the prep hitters are also really strong. So this is a class to go bat. So as previously mentioned, Caden, well, I didn't say Caden Wallace, but Caden Wallace is someone I like from his high school days. He's an outfielder at Arkansas, kind of fits the Arkansas mold of outfielder the past few years, right? Like uh, some high strikeouts, some swing and miss. He also walks, good power. Uh, I believe, you know, coming out of high school, he had uh, played some third base, but uh, a lot of people project his outfield. Power potential, high level production in the SEC and his time. Uh, again, for a lot of these guys, you know, they, their freshman year is, you know, the plague season. So you look at that. They got a full season last year. They get another chance to kind of prove themselves this year. Uh, a lot of. He is one of those players that I feel like he's either going to be an above average regular or he's going to be quad A. Like there's not in between. He can't just be average. The tool set isn't quite the right, you know, where he's going to bring you you know, the defense isn't going to hold him in place, or if he ends up not making it, it's going to be contact issues. So there is some risk. Like a lot of times someone will look at him and be like, oh, he's a pretty safe, but I don't think he's safe. I think certain players are not safe. You know, I think certain players, because the way their tools are set up or their skills are aligned actually make it either they're going to be very successful or not at all. 35, the wild card of this draft. Uh, you know, the Atani of this draft, if everything had worked out as it were. Uh, Reggie Crawford, He is fascinating. First base slash outfielder, uh, big power at UConn the past few years. Then he started pitching. Now, he has not pitched long. He does not have a huge track record. He, I don't think we've seen confirmation on Tommy John, but supposedly that was going to be something that uh, occurred, you know, that the first reports I saw of that were in December. He's a lefty who's a very raw pitcher who's hitting triple digits. He is fascinating. He is a complete total and under wild card. If he had come out and pitched and been dominant this year, he would have been a top three pick. But he has a very limited uh, sample. He hasn't faced the best competition. And as a pitcher, I mean, the positive is there's no wear and tear on the arm. The downside is he is, you know, rawer than most high school kids. So how much do you trust yourself? Again, I know there's probably Indians fans listening to this podcast who being like, that sounds interesting. The Indians are good at pitching development. Remember, they're not good at refinement. They're good at taking that guy and finding a next gear. Crawford would be perfect, honestly, to a team like Tampa. That, that would be a great landing spot for him. Uh, he is one of the biggest wild cards. I mean, my first, my way too early mock, he was, at, he was a top 10 prospect. So the injury is really unfortunate. We're going to take... Uh, Our first break, and we'll come back and keep talking prospects, talking about the draft for 2022. And that first sponsor today is BuiltBar.com. We know them, we love them. They have been our oldest running sponsor on the show. I had uh, two today at lunch, and their new arrival is the Built Crave Caramel and Peanuts, 5 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein, 160 calories. Do you like caramel? Do you like peanuts? I got to try this when I did my last order. I like the Crave quite a bit. I recommend it. That is their newest one. Uh, It is still in stock. These new ones never stay for long. On top of that, gingerbread did finally sell out, as did Paranormal Pumpkin. But you can still get things like Coconut Brownie Chunk, Caramel Almond Delight, Eggnog, Caramel Macchiato, Ruby Chocolate, and Lemon Dip Cheesecake. If that all sounds good, it should, and it all tastes good, and it's good for you. So go to BuiltBar.com today. Remember our promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Start building up those Built Bucks. You're going to save even more money on a product that is the best tasting protein bar I've ever had myself personally. It is BuiltBar.com. The promo code is LOCKED15. So we are back at it with our draft list. You know, I mentioned a bunch of interesting names, and then I kind of just... Let us into the break there. Uh, let's get back at it. We had 36 and 35. And again, player 35, Reggie Crawford, is more. I have to rank him somewhere. I don't know what to do with him. Uh, but w- maybe the most fascinating player in this entire class to see what he ends up doing just because of the ceiling. Uh, 34 will make you feel old. Justin Crawford, son of Carl Crawford, comes from the uh, you know very successful uh, high school program in Nevada. Bishop Gorman committed to LSU as one might expect. Uh, A lot of physical tools growing into his power could have more pop than dad. Think about how good Carl Crawford was. Don't think about those Boston days. Think about those Rays days. And you think about those bloodlines. You think about uh, everything he has managed, you know, he did in the big leagues. And you think about his son and his ability. You can see why a team would be interested. This is just the beginning of making you feel old. Uh, One could argue and some might that the top prospect in this entire class is the son of another former toolsy athletic uh, major league baseball player. Going down, Landon Sims. I have a 33 right-handed pitcher, Mississippi State. Uh, He could fly up this list, honestly. He's got a solid mix. He's been highly productive. Why is he at 33 right now? Because he's been a reliever. He's going to get a chance to be a starter. I think he has a pretty good chance to be a starter. I would not be shocked if you see him rise on my own list. He's just got to prove it. I've kind of, through the years, I spent too much time being like, this guy has three good pitches. I think he's going to transition to being a starter without issue. And it just doesn't seem to work that way. Like, if I'm being perfectly honest, the success rate is not that high in taking a guy who's been a college reliever and making him a starter. We don't see, it happens, and there are good examples of it. But the success rate is not super high in that position. We've seen a lot of guys not, you know, probably simply not make that transition And during the course of that transition, it's like their stuff backs up. Uh, They're, they they end up looking like a lesser version. You know, they end up going back to the pen and looking like a lesser version of what they were beforehand. So he's down the list a little bit uh, just because he's a reliever right now. 32, wild card, Kumar Rocker. I don't know what to do with him because I can't see his medicals. I'll go at it again. You know, I brought this up during the draft. The last time a team got that scared off by medicals. Uh, it re- the Houston Astros ended up getting Alex Bregman instead of Brady Aiken, and then they had that extra pool money, which allowed them to get Daz Cameron, who became the central piece of their trade for Justin Verlander. I mean, they not the best thing that ever happened in the di- the Diamondbacks. Houston Astros was not signing Brady Aiken, was looking at the medicals and realizing, no, nah, it's not worth it. Uh, I I don't know what Rocker has. I'll still stand that for everyone getting mad at the Mets, the Red Sox did a much dirtier deal when they drafted uh, another player who we'll talk about relatively soon, Jude Fabian on this list. And I'll just talk about what happened then when I get to him. But at 32, we have Rocker. Could be a lot higher. Again, it's kind of like the Crawford situation. I wasn't sure exactly where to put him. If health was out the window, he'd be a top 10 guy for me. I think that we're getting a little too uh, picky with him, you know, looking, uh, he's, when you've been that famous for that long, you know, he was a guy who had talk. Now we've never had a high school right-hander go first overall, but he had talk along with Ethan Hankins after that big summer. That's, that's how long he's been, you know, in this discussion as a top prospect. He's been around, he had kind of the the blowback is he became too famous. You know, last year it was one of those things everyone at the start of the year who didn't really know stuff was like, oh, he's the presumptive number one pick. And I'm like, eh, let's, you know, let's cool back. There's a lot of guys. And we we see that again with this year's class. When you get to the top, the guy we've been hearing like for a year, maybe a year and a half, everyone's like, oh, he's the top pick. I don't see him on the top of a board anymore anymore. So I think the hype train is something you have to talk about. Uh, Brandon Borea, left-handed pitcher from American Heritage Plantation High School in Florida, Vandy commit, high chance of a reliever. Um, good stuff there. I'm going to just say good stuff a lot. Not, you know, spending the time to pull up everyone's pitch mix because that's just going to slow down the show if I sit there and do that. But I, I just have reliever concerns. I think there is a chance for him to be a starter. Uh, he was just kind of going on this list. Like I am lower on arms. I do not have a high school arm in the top 10. Talked about at the top. I probably never will again. Uh, he was the next high school arm up for me. It was really between him and Jr. Richie, the right-handed pitcher from Bainbridge Island. I just, you know, the lefty versus a righty. I, and Brea, I think, has a higher floor. Like, I think he can be a very good reliever. I think he's safer in that regard. 30, Jordan Sprinkle, University of Santa Barbara. A little bit surprised by a number of people who are not as high on Jordan Sprinkle, if I'm being honest. He's a shortstop, a good defensive shortstop, who's played well in college. I know it's not the biggest program, but it's been a highly successful program when you look at putting players in the draft and the uh, major leagues. And, you know, Sprinkle is not the biggest guy. He's not going to wow you with power or any of that stuff, but he's a good athlete. He He's a definite shortstop. You're not worrying about him getting too big for that position or not being able to, to stay there. Uh, shortstops rise. If you've listened to me talk or write anything at any point in time, you know, I've always said they're the quarterback of the MLB draft. Every team wants one. Every team's always looking for more. There's a reason why the Indians stockpile them. And how about this for Sprinkle last year at UC Santa Barbara? First year, all he did was hit three fifty three with a three ninety four on base. I know I wasn't going to dig up numbers, but I, I have to justify some here. Uh, 930 OPS. I actually wanted to put him higher. Uh, he is a player I... Would strongly consider moving up the board even now. That was always a redshirt freshman uh, because, you know, we know what happened in 2020. So uh, he was awesome from the get-go. Solid defender, good athlete, really high-level production. Stole 26 bases. Uh, If you want to get into negative, he didn't walk much. uh, Didn't strike out a ton either. But uh, you look at all that and you're like, yes, yes, I agree. He is very much an Indians type of player. Maybe not, you know, with that first pick, but in the comp round, would they consider him? They like UC Santa Barbara. He was a California kid. Uh, he just turned 20 years. No, I'm sorry. He'll turn uh, baseball cube it all backwards. He'll turn 21 in March. So, an average ish age. He's not particularly young for his class. But, uh, you know, you look at what they like, that high contact profile. You know, keep it in mind, they did draft Daniel Sprinkle a few years ago. Uh, pitcher, and he was a football player. I want to say at LSU. Uh, I don't think he ended up um, finding much success at either. Uh, but yeah, uh, that was a you know another sprinkle in their recent history. But Jordan's a guy I think could easily rise up because short stops rise. He's a good athlete, and he was really good last year. He just gets overlooked with some of the other names in this class. But yeah, thirty. Like I already want to move him up right now. Like <laughs> as, even as I talk, I am getting myself in that position of like, eh. Yeah. Uh, Jude Fabian's next. And I already talked about him. So he had a deal in place with the Orioles. So the Orioles had a weird draft. Part of the reason the Orioles had a weird draft is they were going to take Jude Fabian and they had all of this money. And then the Red Sox drafted him and refused to give him his, you know, when you draft a player, you have talked with an agent typically, and you know what the expectation is. You know what that player wants to sign. Uh, Fabian was a very young junior. Yeah, he's a senior this year, but he is almost like a year younger than the typical player. Uh, So he's like junior aged as a senior. He had, I mean, I had him going to the Rangers in my way too early mock. I had him going that high in the draft. Started out the season rough. Then he actually got into the SEC and excelled. You don't often see that. Often you see the reverse, which made me, when I looked at age relative to class, I looked at uh, production, what he did. There was a lot of swing and miss, but I still liked the profile, the power, the position, all of that. So how the Red Sox did him dirty was they didn't meet his demands. They drafted him and said, this is what we have, and uh, take it or leave it. And he decided to leave it. And he, he had a deal in place. Like, it's just kind of that unwritten rule. You don't do that. Like, if you're not going to meet a player's demands, you don't draft him. You don't waste the pick. You don't waste that player's time. Uh, and they, they literally cost uh, Fabian... Like hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars. I'm sure he has insurance, but it was it was a pretty low move, in my opinion. And for everyone who got mad at the Mets, that was the much worse uh, offending thing that happened in this year's draft. Uh, let's get one more in before the break here. Logan Tanner, catcher, Mississippi State. So, I did mention Luke Hancock earlier, and again, it's he's an interesting player from statistical production. Tanner's the better defender. They're both at Mississippi State. It's a uh, an interesting situation to have logan tanner and then just to throw this in there at first i went to i had to delete because i was looking at tanner allen's numbers instead of logan tanner not to mention you know catcher confusion uh and then they also have a tanner laguette there so it's uh tanner very popular but in this case it's a last name he had 15 home runs last year uh, 525 slugging 382 on base 287 batting average he's you know he did most of the catching duties Luke Hancock did fill in back there he also spent some time at DH but Logan Tanner is universally the higher rated prospect of the two and when you look at like his defensive skills you look at the power and you're trying to project him that's where it gets interesting we all know how hard how hard it is to find a decent catcher <laughs> we're Indians fans out there Guardians fans I'm sorry uh we know that college catchers go early the you know I'll say prep catchers are riskier than prep pitchers. I mean, I, I would avoid them uh, as much as I avoid uh, prep arms. College catchers have had a mixed track record, but a lot of the higher picks have been more successful. You know, in recent, I don't know if we call it recent, but you can think back to, like, the can't-miss guys. Some of them have missed. I mean, Matt Weiders was the star of his class. Was he ever really, I mean, I think he made an all-star game. He was a solid Catcher for a lot of years. If you can get someone like that, that's fantastic. This class is absolutely loaded with catchers. Absolutely loaded. I, Tanner is what, maybe my third, fourth catcher on the board. And that's a guy with above average to plus power. Uh, he was a pitcher in high school, had a, you know, throw in the mid 90s. He's got a cannon. He fields well. He's been catching a lot of strong arms in college. Uh, there's a lot of good tools here. My one concern, more than anything else, honestly, is what I've talked about with some other players, which is. You know, it's it's thin margins. Again, if he doesn't hit for enough power, he's a backup. If he doesn't make enough contact, he's a backup. Uh, I think there's a good chance for a backup catcher here, no matter what. But there's also a chance when you draft someone like this, you end up with Logan Ice, speaking of another Logan, where a player has very thin margins of uh, production. And if things don't go right in line, it might work, it might not. The reason I, you know, I did not give Logan Ice a first-round ga- grade. You go back... Logan Tanner does walk at a high rate. That's kind of the, the big thing here. Yeah, he hit for power and he walks. So you're looking at a 3 outcomesy type. The low bat pip is a little concerning because that, to me, at this level shows, you know, he's probably a 40-hit tool at best. So you he's going to have to. And we've seen that walk rates don't always transfer. Like, it's good to see them. Uh, you don't often see them just appear out of nowhere. Like, you don't see a guy who walked 5% of the time in college jump to 14% in the minors. But you do see guys who walk at 13 14%, all of a sudden dropped to like four or five. So it it's not one of those data points that we can look at and say, oh, he's going to keep walking. It doesn't always work that way. But there's a chance it will. If it's there, at least it might. But you do worry with the the low bat pips and that being bat pip typically, it's not low, a 304 is fine. you know. <laughs> but a lot of guys I look at, especially the top hitters in college are closer to 400 in their bat pip, which they're such good hitters. The hit tool is already so advanced that they... You know, they get hits at a much higher rate than they should when we consider, you know, the luck of that stat. And it's not so much luck, it's just that they are a better hitter. They're able to get the ball in the bat more. It's it's almost like looking at barrels before barrels existed, and we could find that data. That's kind of what you were looking at with Bat Pip and the lower minors. And that's your concern here. Like he may not hit enough, and if the walk rate doesn't hold up, then he may not even be a backup. But that's why I have him as kind of a late first. There is a relatively you know, safe floor as at least a backup catcher. We're gonna take our second commercial break, come back and keep talking prospects. Betonline.ag has you covered. Betonline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue to our march to the playoffs and beyond. Betonline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for twenty twenty two new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit 5050 just use our promo code locked on to get started from football basketball hockey boxing UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022 bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports bet online where the game starts so next up on my list, and now that we've gone through and, uh, yeah, one of the college catchers, is Bryce Hubbard, the uh, left-handed pitcher from Florida State. Florida State has had an up-and-down track record uh, when it comes to the draft. Uh, through a few years, guys like DJ Stewart, I mean, he's got the big leagues. Uh, he's one of the bigger names to go through. You know, Luke Weaver, I was very high on, who's been kind of a back-end type. Hubbard is an undersized lefty. Uh you know, I don't even know if he's six feet. Let's put it that way. Uh, 5'11", I think, is the listing in most places. He missed a lot of bats uh, his first two years. Now, the first year was only eight innings pitch. I just pulled up the data in front of me. I know it was going to go into data, but I can't help myself. Uh, he missed almost 12, you know, 12 strikeouts per nine, walk rate right under four. Yes, if you are a Cleveland Guardians fan, that does make him a Cleveland Guardians special. He is also a spin rate guy. He's hit 97, is a reliever. He's like mid-90s, but he's a low-90s guy. But it's a high spin rate with that low-90s pitch. So, yes, this is a player, if you're an Indians fan, you should look at. You should consider. He's another one. I don't know with that first pick if you'd consider taking him. The Indians might, uh, honestly. For a lot of people, the size. You know, is he 5'11"? Is he 6'1"? The velocity is not necessarily something that I think people expect to stick. I think most think it's going to stay more in the low-90s. So there is some relievers, or there is some debate reliever starter. He's another player who I think played well in the Cape. I didn't really. I know I need to spend more time on the Cape. Uh, I've already talked about that at this point in the show, but high production left-handed pitcher, spin rate. Again, if you're the Indians, uh, that's. I mean, that's really all you need, right? And we know the Indians had a long history there. You know, when I was first covering them specifically, close to like ten years ago when I first started writing about the draft. Where they liked those undersized guys. They liked pitchers who were like 5'11, 6'1 because it was like you were getting extra value because teams were undervaluing them. Now we're seeing, you know, Jack Lighter go as high as he goes in spite of his size. So there's definitely been a shift in thoughts through the years with that. So I don't know if that is as big of a deal as it once was. And uh let's let's end it there for now. We'll end at that point. I actually recorded some more, but we're we're getting up against it. Uh so we'll end with the twenty-seventh highest-rated player on my board. That that was nine players give you an idea of, like I said, relatively quick capsules on why these are players I like. And you might argue that, wow, some of you don't sound that effusive on. If you're in the top 40, you're obviously a player I like. That's a first-ish round grade to me. Like the top 40 players, typically the second round doesn't begin until the 40s. So these are all players that I think have uh, bright futures. I understand that I'm going to talk about multiple players who never even get close to sniffing the big leagues. That's that's the nature of the game, but it's fun to talk about. We'll continue going through this list over the next few days. I hope you've enjoyed. You know, again, if you have a friend who's uh, into the draft or curious about such things, yes, I, I do make some internal Guardians references, but recommend the show to them. This is a, a more of an evergreen show in terms of... The listener base than most of them. I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked On Guardians podcast. Remember to rate, rate and review. Oof. Download daily. It really helps the show grow. Uh, it, I want to thank the fan base. I do owe some thank yous for some new iTunes reviews. Those will be popping up. I have not missed it. Just been busy. Uh, again, I want to thank the wonderful Locked On Guardians family. Uh, you've all been so supportive. Um, thank you all so very much. I want to thank you all for making Locked On Guardians your first listen. Free and available anywhere you get podcasts. I'll go check out Locked On Cavs. You know, Locked On Browns would probably be too uh, sad right now. Locked On Cavs, if we're keeping in Cleveland, and as we say now, go go Guardians go.